Are you ready to elevate your taste experience? Look no further than Mad Picks, the home of the sweet heat jalapeno and cucumber. Our pickled jalapenos and cucumbers add a satisfying crunch and tangy flavor to any dish. From sandwiches to tacos, nachos to burgers, the possibilities are endless. Whether you're a fan of sweet, heat, or bulk, we've got the perfect pickles for you. Indulge in the sweet, heat, jalapeno, and cucumber from Mad Picks. Visit mad-picks.com today. Go ahead, take a bite, and let the flavors dance on your tongue. Hey, good morning, and welcome to another day at the Daily BM. I have Mikey in the house with me. What's going on, Mike? Hey, everybody. What's going on? Guess guess what? We got a special guest today. Wait, what? Today we have yes, sir. Today we have Alan Placer with us. Hey, Alan, how you doing? Uh, good morning. How are you guys? Oh, I'm excited. So, Alan is from the great state of New Jersey, which seems like we we attract a lot of people from New Jersey. On I know, the show. right? <laughs> everything starts in New Jersey. Yeah, everything starts uh, here in we Jersey. go. Everything starts in Jersey, man. <laughs> yeah. I have one question for Alan before we get going. Yeah, Alan. Do you yeah. did you did you ever hang out at the Jersey Shore? Uh, yes, I live at the Jersey Shore. Did you watch the show? <laughs> yeah, he no. did. He fist bumped. No, oh, okay. he the show. If you <laughs> cabs are here, <laughs> <laughs> want to do a poly for you? Come on, do a no poly for you. <laughs> oh my god, I feel like that show. Uh, on a side note, I feel like that show was like totally scripted and totally like overblown. Like I don't even know if that's their real personalities. <laughs> They're real people, you know. And, yeah. and everybody in this area has had a run in with at least one of them. Uh, oh really? They used, to, <laughs> yeah, they used to shop in my family's store, and, and you oh. know, for the most part, they're what we call Bennies. They're people that come down from North Jersey, New York, and invade our beaches every summer. So we can't oh, stand them. Yeah. So where did they get oh, the nickname Bennies? I mean, how, what, what kind of nick? What, where did that come from? It's an it's an, an acronym for like Brooklyn, Elizabeth, Newark. I don't remember all the towns. Anybody oh, else? Benny's. Oh, I love that, man. That's so great. All the locals. Yeah, I remember that. Learn something to do. Something Eric never taught us. We're, we're, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to we're gonna ask Brian, Brian about that. Schmendel yeah. Brian about it. He yeah. knows what a Benny is. We'll have to test him on his New Jersey knowledge. He may be a Benny for all we know. Yeah, he <laughs> probably like, is. He'll get mad. He'll be like, don't call me a Benny. I got called that my entire life. Yeah, he'll be like, who's this Alan guy saying I'm a Benny? <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's a friend of the show. He, he comes on all the time. So... Alan is a former firefighter and EMS of 20 years. Um, thank you for your service. Yeah, he thanks. was at the World Trade Center um, during 9-11. We, we really appreciate everything you did. Absolutely. But what I'd love to talk about today is after you retired, because in your bio, you know, you retired. You said you were broke, divorced, and living in a one-bedroom apartment, a one-room apartment with your nine-year-old son, making mini- minimum wage at your family's hobby store. Yes. And then – you had clients coming in, I guess, and I'll let you tell the story basically about how you started your business. If hey, you want to go ahead. Good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm just running down the line. You don't have to say anything. Yeah. Hey, well, thank so, you for tuning in today. We really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, um, so basically from what, what your bio that you sent me says is that you were having customers that were coming in and they were requesting a product that you just, I guess, couldn't source right in your hobby store. Like right. they didn't have that out there. So when did you have that aha moment? Like when you said, Oh, this is a, this is 
a market? Like, was it just laying in bed or? No, it, it was, I always had a rule in the store that if you got called for an item three times in a week, you need to start carrying it. Mm. And um, this item didn't exist at all. Like there was nowhere to source it from. So I think it was just at the store or maybe, you know, reading on forums of what people were doing to come up with solutions. And I realized I could make products to, to provide the niche. To fill that niche. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the product that you designed and carry now. And that's become from a side hustle to your primary business. Yeah. So um, what it was is we, um, I, I run the radio, ran the radio control department in the store, did uh, really big into RC car racing. And uh, we also repaired power wheels, the little kids, electric cars that they drive around in their yard with, the, you know, Mustang and Escalades and all. So Google must yeah. have put the two together uh, because people started calling the store looking for faster motors for their power wheels. Mm. We were just getting bombarded with it. Uh, and so I started doing research and I found that some people were using RC car motors in their power wheels. Uh, and, mm. uh, so I said, you know what, well, you know, I can get RC car motors and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I literally had $200 to my name at the time. Wow. Uh, and I used that to start a website. Like when you only got $200, it's not much. Yeah. Just getting out there. So and, when, uh, when was this? Like, what year was this? How, how this long ago was, was this? 15 years ago now. 15 years ago. Okay. So. 2010, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of like really the dawn of like online purchasing. I think like people were really starting to get um, comfortable buying stuff and having it shipped. And you say, Dawn, my, my folks hobby store, we, we were always computer geeks. So we had uh -huh. our original webpage was a picture of a business card. Okay. When, <laughs> when PayPal came out, when Musk did PayPal, we started taking PayPal for paint by numbers. Like mm, talking about yeah. mid nineties, late nineties. Yeah. So, yeah. We were yeah. pretty attuned to selling online. Uh, our hobby store's website was, was pretty much was the like... premier hobby website. So Alan, okay. did you design in front page? <laughs> I have to ask. Since you said you're. No, yeah, I, yeah, used, yeah. I always used templates. I knew HTML at the time, but I always did right. stuff in templates and all. You know, I, I, I remember back in the 90s. Yeah. I remember back yeah. in the 90s that uh, like front page uh, when it came out, because we used to have to write code back in the early days too. For and you always were like, oh, wow, I have a text on a website. This is really cool. And then Microsoft launched front page, and I was like, oh my God, it's a whole new world. I can drop these images see, in. You know what I mean? <laughs> see, Alan, I have to point something out. You can tell that you're dealing with some older guys because when Brad and I both, when you said 15 years ago, I was thinking like 1995. <laughs> in my head and he's literally rattling off and i was like i just did the math i was like oh this is 2009 so my whole comment about the dawn of internet shopping is way off because you know at that point amazon's been around since you know 1994 yeah. <laughs> and it was already a huge conglomerate so yeah there's a little bit of time lapse there going oh 15 years ago yeah that was like 1995 alan it's old age buddy it's old age with him just don't worry about it <laughs> brad's brad's going front page and everybody's already designing and uh, Which I feel WordPress and all the new stuff. You guys and you don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, that's that's funny. I don't know. I find myself doing that a lot these days. Oh yeah, man! So, we, so you um, started. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I um I reached out to the RC car companies, and you know one of the big problems was those motors are designed for a seven pound RC car, not 
a hundred yeah. kid in car. So <laughs> they were uh, kind enough to do some redesigning for me and, and, uh, oh, cool. you know, they would send me their motors, but they were already packaged in their packaging. So mm. I would have to peel off their sticker and put my sticker on and yeah. like in my living room doing this as a little side hustle. That was, that yeah, was so you. So you got the motors in, repackaged them, and then shipped them back out to the client and basically yep. had that process going. Yep. And then um, I would start getting emails back from people saying that, hey, the motors are great, the car is fast, but it ripped up my gears. Yeah. All right. Well, we need stronger gears. So Stop. I know the main <laughs> gear they ripped up looked just like one of the RC car gears, if you remember the old mm -hmm. T-Max. Uh, yeah. Classic RC car. And... Um, I reached out to a company that made steel gears for those. And I mm -hmm. said, Hey, I've got this gear for power wheels. Can look similar. Can you manufacture these for me? And the guy was great. He's this old guy. And he's like, well, you know, we really just do RC car stuff, but you know, you have a, a even smaller niche than radio control cars, but it sounds like fun. So, you know, let's give that a shot. <laughs> so let's do it. Yeah. And thank God he did because yeah. I'm now his largest, wow. I, I actually buy more from him than all of his RC suppliers combined. Uh, wow, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, like almost every, I mean, I can't think of a single parent that I know that hasn't bought their kids one of those power wheels at some point, whether, you know, buying it brand new or buying or just picking up a pre-owned one. Um, yeah. I mean, my daughter, when she turned three, I bought her one of those big Humvees and I just, I remember she couldn't. She couldn't even turn it. So she got in it, hit the gas and ran right into the fence. And, you know, my <laughs> wife at the time was like screaming, going, why did you get such a big one? I was like, because the Humvee looked cool. I was like, I didn't, she needed to have room for all her dolls and stuff. Like I didn't want to get her like the tiny little Jeep because it didn't have any space in it, you know? <laughs> you know, and I bought my, I bought my grandkid, um, my two grandkids for Christmas. We got them too as well. So, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely yeah. there. The my, kid, my kid was already... I don't, he was well outgrown ride-ons before I started this mm. business. So oh, his man. wheels so, were just stock. He never got one of these. My neighbor. So does he hold it against you? <laughs> does he so. hold it against he you? Might, <laughs> he races cars now, so I got I yeah, got the oh. plug into him. But my uh, neighbor in for the radio. Yeah, he, he upgraded the bigger toys. I call the neighbor all the time. Like, can I borrow your boy for a little while? Test drive a car and. He'll be ripping around my, like, I've had cars catch fire while he's driving them. And I always warn if it catches fire, just bail out. Don't worry. Yeah. Just get away bail. from the fire. Get away from the fire. Stop, drop, and roll. That's the first thing that comes into my head. Stop, drop, and roll. Yeah. First thing that came to my mind was Will Ferrell from Talladega Nights. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking Will Ferrell from Talladega Nights. I'm on fire. Yeah. I'm on fire. He's rolling around in the battlefield, stripping down. <laughs> I'm burning up. I'm burning up. And they're like, what's he doing? Yeah, that'd be something I would do. Um, yeah. Okay, so you reached out to like your local, like just some RC manufacturers that you knew through working at the hobby store and just said, hey, can you manufacture this? And they said, yeah, let's go. Yeah. And then I'm assuming that once you got the motor and the and the uh, gear problem solved, now people started calling complaining about battery life. Yep, that was the next they, they weren't getting long enough drive time because it was probably yeah. chewing through the power wheel battery like exactly. mad. Or they wanted more voltage to get more speed. More. And that oh, okay. batteries were a tough one because batteries yeah. are expensive to ship. And I've oh, got yeah. to ship them to me and then ship them mm -hmm. out to customers. So I found, I'm in being in Jersey, everything, like I said, goes through Jersey. Yeah. Including battery importing. 
So one of mm. the major battery importers uh, is up in Edison. And I called them. I'm like, can I just come pick them up? And they said, sure. Yeah. You know, we'll give you a discount and, you know, just come pick up batteries. Yeah. And what, what I learned over time is that a Jeep Wrangler can hold 1150 pounds of batteries before the suspension is on the bump stops before it bottom, bottoms out yeah i've been i've been there had that moment happen in my life before I've like you've never out. had mike and i had the same vehicle before to see suspensions yeah. give out all right <laughs> i remember doing i remember yeah. pulling up one time and picking up marble and i didn't realize like how heavy the marble was and i had an f-250 so i thought it was not gonna be a problem at all so he drives out with a forklift and has this huge stack of marble tile on it and he was like it's not gonna fit in your truck and i was like how many is this four or four pallet my truck he's like no i meant with weight and i was like i'm pretty sure it'll be all right i mean i've got the heavy dupe package and everything he's like yeah sure he starts putting it on there and he's letting it down he's not even let the forks off and my truck just completely squats he's like yeah that's like twelve thousand pounds worth of uh marble and i'm yeah. like oh shit okay we got to break this thing up yeah. so that that was a sucky day because we had to do all that by hand like they just put it over the side gave us three more pallets and said okay when you're done breaking them up come back and get us <laughs> yeah. so me, and, me and my, i would um i got to the point where i was going like every week and a half to pick up getting batteries you know batteries so today we have them trucked in you know with, yeah yeah once grows, you get to you get point. other solutions that you can do right yeah. So when did you go from like starting your business in this, you know, one bedroom apartment to like getting its own place as far as like, or did you use uh, your, um, your family's hobby store as kind of like your staging ground for all the, all the batteries and equipment and all that stuff? Or were you already at that point where you had your own warehouse and. No, like, in, the, it, in the beginning, again, I had a one room apartment. So uh, yeah. my family's hobby store was the staging ground for, you know, storage for stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and because my family had the website and was shipping a lot, they had a shipping employee. So oh, okay. I made an arrangement where I paid the store $2 per package to oh, ship nice. packages for me. So I oh, come in, well. in the morning, put the orders up on shelves, and the shipping guy would box up all those, you know, and, and ship them out and keep tab and I'd settle up a bill every couple of weeks with them. Uh, and that so, worked out really good because... That shipping employee is now my daily operations manager. Oh, that's awesome. So you got to grow with the company. So that's great. Yeah. So what happened is, you know, hobby stores, unfortunately, are a fading thing of the past. Oh, yeah. And my folks were getting old and wanting to retire. So mm -hmm. um, in 2019, um, I I moved out. The The, the business was had grown bigger where I was making way more money at that than I was at the store. I probably, if... I had my heart set on it. I should have moved the business out a couple of years earlier than that. Mm. But it, yeah. it the store money, which kept my parents going and things like that. Yeah. It just got too big. So I had to move it out. And we rented a uh, this dilapidated old building in um, mm -hmm. at, uh, Wall Municipal Airport in, in New Jersey here. It was a, yeah. A wooden building that they sat down on top of a airplane fuel tank. It was gigantic fuel tanks that uh -huh. buried in the ground with no roof on it. And they had put these beams across the, the tank and put this building on top of it sometime in the 1970s. <laughs> our space was like the size of a one-car garage, but within that space, we could not close our doors because the building had warped so much. Imagine this tank oh is full God. of 20,000 gallons of water just moisturizing this wooden building. 
<laughs> so it's got the slight lean, like a leaning tower of Pisa. Kind of sort of lean. Yeah. Yeah, we, one morning we came in and when we opened the front door, the entire frame fell on the ground. We didn't even oh know. Oh my God, it Alan. Just gone. It was so, but we paid 50 cents a square foot. So it yeah, so I mean, the price, the, the price is right. What we could do to get started. Uh, that, yeah. that lasted for about a year and a half there. And now we have a, uh, about 3000 square foot facility. Uh, oh, and we're actually awesome. starting to outgrow that now. So when was the moment? Cause I, I, I kind of remember in my business when I had the moment where you're like, holy crap, this is going to make it like, this is going to, this is turning into something. Cause did, did you have a moment like that? Or yeah, I, were Turning into something I knew about a year in, just from the sales. Okay. Like a year yeah. in, I was making more than my minimum wage with my folks. Um, but it was when mm-hmm. I decided I needed to move out that, let me tell you, I wasn't sleeping. You know, I was so stressed out because I knew the hobby store was was going away. And that means I'm losing my storage facility. Yeah. I'm losing my shipping mm-hmm. like and suppliers. I got some suppliers through their distributors. So, yeah. It was it was just so stressful, and three in the morning I woke up with just a plan that was there, and yeah, I I took a notepad and I just started writing it all down, and I was like, hey, wait, this could work. I just I can yeah. make this happen. I, I just need to go find a place that I can afford, and I the the number showed I could support a better place. I just didn't believe it. All right. And, yeah, and, that that's what I was saying. That that moment, that mindset, because you have that you have that feeling. Like even when you're like, I remember like the when I was writing out my checks to my vendors. You know, I'm writing like you know ten thousand, thirty, forty thousand dollar checks, and in my mind, I'm feeling like it's monopoly money. Like I'm feeling like it's not real because I'm not actually holding the cash. I'm just writing a piece of paper. They're sending me a piece of paper. I'm writing a piece of paper, and it just felt like monopoly money like it was just like oh this is a fun game like i write this you write this and then people like get happy and then at the end of the month i get a paycheck and it's kind of cool and i'm like and then one day i was like oh my god like this is a business like it's 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 i i I mean like it was just that like oh wow it's like i'm kind of here you know i I don't really have a great way of explaining it but it's just like you get this like ah like it's going it's working I haven't had what? that yet. I'm 15 oh, you haven't had that? This and I still have not said, ah, it's working. I, every day, <laughs> wake up wondering if anybody's buying anything. Uh, oh, my God. Because I haven't stopped the growth. We're always developing new products, yeah. tires, mm-hmm. electronics, yeah. and different things. So I'm always pushing to that next envelope. Uh, okay. Where, yeah, we, we are too. You're, you, so you sound exactly like my other business partner, Ron, because every day for the last 23 years, he calls me and says, Hey, are we going to make it through this month? You know, and we've had clients that we've had for like 15, 16 years. Um, actually, one client we've had the entire uh, time since we opened. They were our very first client. They've stayed with us this entire time. And I'm like, Yeah, Ron, we're going to be told we're, we're okay. We're doing all the right things. We're, we're, we're pivoting when we need to pivot. We're not getting, you know, complacent because complacency kills business yeah. and we're, we're doing it. But it was just that moment of going, holy shit, this is my real job now. Like I don't have to go work a nine to five somewhere else because I had to, I, I, when I started my job, I had to start it um, at, like cold turkey 
because I couldn't transition because I was going into direct competition with my previous employer. Oh. So I didn't have the option of like moonlighting on the side because I was like, I need to steal at least 70% of your customers in order to get my business off the ground. They were all my customers, but I was like, they need to come with me in order for me to get this thing going. And they did because they, and I had the relationship with them and the company I worked for didn't, they were just a processing plant for paper. <laughs> and uh, scaring for, scary for us with this is, Mm. It, there's not many new business ideas out there Mm-mm. what we do nobody does there's, yeah. there's nobody for me to copy there's nobody that comes up with a good idea and i'm like oh i can do that i'll just do it better everything we do we have to innovate on our own and it's the, the methodology to me has always been very simple is you know i keep an eye on the the forums and message boards of what problems mm-hmm. people are having with their power wheels or what they wish they could do. People think that all yeah. power wheels are the same. There's right. lots of different brands and it's as different as Ford, Chevy, and Dodge. So everything's got to be re- re-engineered for each one. That was going to be my next question is, yeah. is, did you pick one? Did you do research into which power wheel was like the most selling power wheel? Yeah, and that's the, what the you focused on first? power wheel brand is the number power one, brand. not only the number one brand, but they're also the best for modifying because they don't use circuit boards in their cars. They're all analog oh, okay. switches, old-fashioned wiring. So if you up the yeah. voltage, there's nothing to fry. Uh, nothing to fry stuff. So, so, Alan, did you attempt to, like, move into that area at all, the ones with the circuit boards and things like that? Or is it just something you're like, hey, you know what, this really isn't our market? Yeah, no, we actually now make our own circuit board system. So you can Sweet. actually rip all the electronics out of a cheap Chinese ah. one and put our electronics in and make it faster. See, when I modded my golf cart, that's what I had to do. I had to change out the board, the whole controller, the, the motor, um, yeah. even the all the cables, um, all the, and then uh, to get to the faster, more powerful motor, I had to change it basically everything out from even the charging system. I had to put a different charging system in when I did this um, a couple of years ago, and it was it was really cool being able to work through that. So yeah, I think that's it, great. Now, have you it, ever thought about going the next step of building an entire unit? like your own power wheel version from yeah, scratch? We, or... we have a whole plan written out for doing that because mm-hmm. we have now manufactured every part of a car except the body. Yeah. We do right. axles, tires, everything. And um, it, it, there's, that's just a huge, huge investment. The licensing, when we first looked into licensing, if you don't mm-hmm. know anybody and you want to license a Volkswagen, let's say, <laughs> to, to make their body, they want yeah. $45,000 a year for the licensing fee. Yeah. They're not giving you the mold. Yeah. You're saying you no, can nothing. No. So that's a that's, lot. Of you can just use a machine. Yeah. But we have since come up with an entire path to how to get around the licensing fees and work with the car manufacturers, um, how to distribute them because power wheels, you used to buy them at Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, Walmart and Target, you're, lucky if you get a little tiny shelf space with them but yes. we come up with a whole nother path that i can't even put out there on how we could do it i just haven't decided we want to go that entire route because okay. everything we've done we've done without any investors or loans the, that right. dollars has multiplied into this multi-million dollar corporation feeding families and everything and and to put us under that risk of well, if we build a whole car, what if that doesn't work out? I mean, there's right. hundreds of thousands to invest in molds and importing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're obviously they're big boxes. So 
uh, there's storage fees involved and shipping fees. So right. we decided we even want to go down that road. But if we do, it is all laid out on on how we could do it and we think successfully. Yeah. It might be a, a cool idea to maybe do like an Ikea set where the person builds it all scratch on their location. Like it's almost like a, like the old racer mods that used to, yeah. you know, they used to build. Um, there's definitely. There's, some so, many, there's so many cool things. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's so cool. Cause it's like, you have imagination and you've got, you can, the sky's limitless on the stuff you can do with that, which is really cool. The um, big concept of what we do is everything that we sell is plug and play. Yep. People don't solder nowadays. People aren't yeah. getting these voltmeters. And so we have to make it really user-friendly. And a lot of that is up to how that car is manufactured. How mm -hmm. easy is it to swap out a part? So if we made the car ourselves with the idea, like the advertising on the boxes, buy it now and then add modifications later on that plug right yeah. in. You know, plug in the LED lights and different things that you want to yeah. add. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, so we met through the order of man, which I've talked a little bit about. Um, it's a great men's organization. It's actually the, uh, Ryan Mickler's podcast order of man. We met through the iron council, which is his organization to, to bring sovereignty. Uh, how did you get started in it? Um, was that something that you, cause you've been a member for a long time and I know we haven't had a chance to talk. So yeah, I've been in it for, uh, about five years now, five years. Um, I joined, uh, honestly looking for, I was always a lone wolf, uh, mm. you know, I, so I joined looking for other groups of successful men that I, I didn't really have a fully much more thought than that. I pictured yeah. sitting around in a cigar bar with cigars <laughs> talking about men's stuff. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's yeah. nothing wrong with that either. I'm just saying. It's so no, funny. No, like, it's, that's literally what I pictured too. When I was like, when I was thinking about it, I was like, I just want to show up for the camaraderie because I've been a lone wolf. Cause he has, you know, being a business owner, a lot of people can't relate with that. When you go to them and say, Hey, I've got this dream of creating something out of nothing. And they're they look at you like wide eyed and like, you can't do that. You know, like, well, what are you talking about? Like, there's all these big vendors. Like, why, how are you going to start? So they don't even understand. Like you can't have a conversation with them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so you joined because you just wanted camaraderie and kind of help other men. and Yeah, and I, I didn't even think to help other men at the time. Honestly. At the time. I was just thinking, you know, bounce ideas. Maybe I'll get some good ideas for my business and, mm -hmm. and things like that. And what I realized as soon as I joined was that there were so many men in the group that were struggling um, in their lives that, you know, yeah. I have such a blessing of what I've been able to accomplish um, and, you know, I, I realized real quick that it's just because I have a different mindset than a lot of mm -hmm. other people. Um, and I think a lot of it is my old EMS days kicking back in. You know, I, I used to love saving lives. I, I yeah. was a, definitely a junkie uh, at being on the rig. And this was an opportunity to save lives just by speaking through people's men and you know, through their heart and or through their mind yeah. instead of their hearts. Yeah. And it's, it's been awesome to watch, not just because of what I help guys with, but the way the group works, mm -hmm. see how many men have transformed their lives from, you know, my wife hates me or I can't hold a job or whatever their issues are to not just solving that problem, but changing their mindset. So those kinds of problems will never recur in their lives anymore. Yeah, yeah that, that was that was one of the big 
motivators for me too. When I, when I joined was like, what can I can give back to people that are receptive to listening? Because I've had so many people that come to me and they, they ask for advice, but they're not really asking for advice. Like they're asking, but they're not really wanting to change. Yes. They're just wanting to like feel better about themselves. Like it's like, Oh, I'm going to go ask him. So that way he gives me advice. And then now I feel better because I took an action, but they really didn't take an action. So, you know, you keep telling the person the same thing over and over and over again, over again, and eventually you get tired. So I was just like, I need, I want a group of men where I can, you know, yeah. see growth and see progress and then have that accountability for me. And then also have like some mentors because it's, it's hard. It gets harder and harder to find mentors as you progress, as you get more efficient. Yeah, I yeah. feel like if you don't, if you, if you try, if you had that lone wolf mentality, which I always did, like I always just worked and just figured it out on my own. You know, I'm real bad about it's a, it's a blessing, but a curse. Like I'm real good about just figuring things out on my own instead of going in and asking for help, which is great. But the problem is you don't get that social side. Like then you don't have the connection of like, hey, can I, you know, lean on you for this? Or like, yeah, sure, no problem. I know a guy that knows a guy that, you know, like you did with the gears. You knew a distributor that knew a manufacturer and you were able to make, make the call and get it taken care of. Um, so that's something I always was struggling with. So that's why, you know, I joined the Order of Man so far or the Iron Council. Um, so far it's been a great experience. So you moved up probably really quickly in the iron council then too, right? Because you didn't yeah, have I a just, lot of issues to fix because you already had most of your quadrants in line. So yeah, the iron council is cool in that the more you assert yourself towards mm -hmm. what you're passionate or knowledge about, it's kind of a free reign to let you grow in that space. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we see different guys, you know, guys that like lead the uh, faith channel and set up Sunday prayer groups and guys would run the addiction channels. We see fitness guys helping other guys get fit. Uh, so for me, again, it was the mindset end. And um, yeah. I've never, never been complacent. I always got in trouble on the fire departments a lot. Like I was the guy that you wanted in a rescue situation. I, I was yeah. the guy that literally I hung off the 13th story of a building to save somebody. Um, oh, that's cool. I would never get, I never made captain because yeah. I just wouldn't deal with the politics of the end of things well. And I'm like, no, this needs to get done. Let's just do it. That's it. Yeah. You know? uh, so that's, that's why I didn't do well in the corporate world either. Cause I didn't, yeah. I don't, I, I don't like the bureaucracy and the red tape. I'm like, just do it. You know, like let's just get it done. And, and I didn't like the blame pointing because in the corporate world, it was real. It was more important to figure out who made the mistake so they could punish them to actually than actually fixing the mistake, like or fixing the problem. It was like, okay, who's at fault? Who do we need to like, you know, put this in their permanent record? <laughs> and I'm like, just fix the problem so it never never happens again. You know, like we're not serving the customer by pointing out who the problem is. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I got into the Iron Council, I saw that yeah. there was a little bit of a lack of content at the time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I reach out to Ryan and say, can I start doing a monthly call uh, with the guys on different mindset things, habits and so many different topics out there on your mind. And uh, that just kept growing and growing. And then I, I started speaking to Ryan's mind. So I, I do a lot of work with him also. And and just seeing it again, how it's grown, but uh, and, and how I've grown, because now I, I knew that I had these issues with leadership management mm -hmm. people. So I also got the opportunity to grow myself and become a better manager uh, of, you know, yeah. or better to managers. My employees always love me. It's the people above me that I just struggled with. Yeah. 
Yes. Well, my biggest struggle, and it was probably the same as yours, is those people were worried about you taking their jobs because they had closed mindsets more than likely. That was my biggest thing. Like I got, I had people get, think I was stepping on their toes because I was trying to learn too much too fast and like be too proactive. So, I mean, that's why, I, that's what actually spurred the growth of my business was they brought in a manager that they had on a go to a boy network. Um, they brought him back cause they sold off a division. I worked for the newspaper and they sold off the yellow pages and the manager that went with it. They said, after your two year contract, you can come back at an equal level position. So my boss had gotten promoted to be a publisher in another paper and I was up for the promotion. But at that point they brought him in laterally and he had nothing, he knew nothing about marketing and or uh, direct marketing and, um, print publications and commercial printing because he was a yellow pages guy. He knew how to sell ads in the yellow pages and he was a manager there. So I pretty much had to train him on how to do everything. And I didn't have a problem. Like I was humble. I mean, I was upset that I got passed over the job for the only reason I was too young in this good old boy network thing, but I did it my best ability, but he was so nervous that I was going to show him up because every time his boss would ask a question, he'd have to call me in to answer it because he didn't know that he was just, you know, throwing up all sorts of problems. And I was just like, I don't need to be here anymore. Like, this is dumb. Like I I can do this on my own. So I, I broke away and left. Um, it, it's funny you say that Mike, because like, you know, Alan, what you were saying earlier, I had a situation when I was in my twenties and I had a manager, I worked for a fitness center of all places. And he actually taught me something and I've always stuck with it. And one of it was, he was always like, Hey, always align yourself with people that will help you grow. That was one thing he taught me. And then the second thing he taught me was, you don't judge a manager how well something does while he's there. It's when he's gone. So like what Mike said, I've always like tried to say, train everybody to do the same thing I can do. Cause then the business just runs smoother when I'm not there. And you see the different mentalities. I've worked for many companies over my, you know, 30 years doing this stuff. <clears throat> and before I became a business owner, and I can tell you that that mentality that Mike was talking about where people are just scared you know what I mean? To like train and make people better um, is the wrong mentality to have. And yeah. and so I've I know myself personally. I've experienced that. Mike knows it. I I'm the first one that'll be like, hey, I don't know the answer, but I'll find it for you. You know. And I think that's yeah. the mentality we have to have. Yeah, yeah. that's tough. You know, yeah. as as a boss now, I really push on my guys. It's okay to tell me you don't know how to do something. It's perfectly mm -hmm. okay to say you made a mistake. That's yep. fine. We're all human. I'm the worst yep. person person when it comes to shipping our orders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not your skill set. <laughs> if you got something from us that you know was missing a part, it was probably me. Alan packed it. I'm okay with that. You know, just yeah. You know, as long as you say that and you're willing to grow with it, you know, that that's how you grow with your position. I do have one saying in the company, which is "Do as I mean, not as I say." Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Do, yeah, know, know what know what you're. Yeah, know the me. I love that. That's actually really good. I have to do that. I mean, not as I say. Yeah, because yeah. we have. A I had a them, you know because I had a mentor. She was my boss. I had a mentor and she was my boss, and I went to her and asked her that question because I was you know still young in my career. I was in my mid twenties or, or like early twenties, and uh, I said. Hey, you know, these other people that I've been like working with and working around, they're all scared that like, I'm going to take their job. And she says, yeah, cause they're closed minded. Like I, if I don't have somebody to replace me, I can never move up. So my job should be to train you so well that you can take my job because that allows me to move up the ladder, you know, up the, up the food chain, so to speak. And become my best version. Like if I have a closed mindset and say, hey, nobody can do this better than me and nobody can 
nobody should be trained to know everything, then, you know, you limit yourself as far as what your growth is because you can't move forward. You can't, you can't excel because you can't get out of your own way. And I was like, man, that really makes a lot of sense. So, There's you know, I usually uh, up and coming term called entrepreneur. I don't know if you guys have heard that one yet. Entrepreneur. Look, Mm-mm. not everybody is cut out to be a business owner, to take those risks and, or have that vision. The entrepreneur is the, like my, my operations manager is an entrepreneur. He really loves making the, the facility and the flow of the daily business as perfect as he can get it to be. And, and that's what it's taken me years to get him that invested in it. Mm-hmm. Just because he doesn't own it, it doesn't mean yeah. you can't want to do the job the best that you can actually do that job. And every right. entrepreneur needs a good staff of entrepreneurs underneath mm-hmm. him that recognize the value of the mission. And, you know, some people would say, well, you're modifying power wheels. What, there's no value in that. Sure, there's oh, huge, huge value. Huge. We bring fathers and sons and you know mothers and daughters together. Yeah. We give them bonding experiences. We teach them the confidence and the mechanical and electrical skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so that entrepreneur is, is an up-and-coming thing that uh, people need to embrace more. That, okay, look, I get it. You got a wife, kids, and a mortgage. So quitting your job to start your own business may not be the right move for you right now. Mm-hmm. Well, then be the best damn employee that that uh, company ever had, not just by working harder, not just by working smarter, but by putting the combination of the two together and really vesting yourself into that position. What I think people in the 50s probably did naturally Mm -hmm. uh, is a lot, lot different today. Uh, you know, yeah, stick with the company for more than four years. See what happens. Yeah, I think the problem is, is that we got into this mindset with the birth of the internet that everybody should be their own business owner, and not everybody's really cut out to be their own business owner because there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, it takes a lot to wake up without having somebody tell you you have to be somewhere because you don't have that. You know, you don't. We don't really have that we have that fear because we're self-motivated. Like we know if we don't show up, our customers will go somewhere else or our customers will disappear. So we just are naturally driven to go out there and do it. But we don't have like, if we're not going to get in trouble, we're not going to get rode up. There's no time clock to punch. You know, if we do a crappy job, no one's really going to pl- complain. They're just going to go away or they might complain at first, but then eventually they're just going to go away and then your business will fail. And I just don't, I don't feel like everybody's cut out to be a business owner, but you can be the best at your job in the industry that you're in, you know, because you can't have, everybody can't be a chief, you know, you got to have people that do the work and that's just as equally important as the business owner, even more so because they're the ones getting the job done. I just think corporate America's lost that employee relationship. Like they started looking at them as just numbers as opposed to people and they don't empower them to do the job. Like they want to micromanage them. They want to say they're, you know, it's a cog in the wheel, a widget. And then we stopped, kind of taking care of our employees, the big businesses, big corporations, like small businesses. Like we take a lot of pride in taking care of our employees, making sure they have enough time off, you know, whatever they need. Um, That's like a big thing for me is making sure my employees have what they need. Yeah. That's a tough thing to manage. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I, I have five people in the shop every day, so it's still, definitely on that small business feel right now. But you know, if I get up to a hundred people, I don't get to know everybody intimately, uh, you know, you know, how you keep that, well, you know, that's, 
definitely a well, problem in a tackle if we get that big. Uh, yeah. I think the way you do it is you hire people that are like you in the management position. So maybe you don't know every single employee, but you know all your managers and all your managers know all their people. And then the people, you know, and it's like there's a camaraderie with each group, um, each department, each division, you know, and then you still make yourself seen because obviously you can't know, you know, like, like Jeff Bezos can't know all of his employees by name and like who they are and what they do. Um, but the man, their managers like should like your direct manager should know more than about you than just your name, your birth date, and your social security number. You know, they should get to know you and not a widget. And then I also think that, you know, there's this huge misconception that everybody's getting jobs just for the money. And that's a horrible motivator as far as like long-term that's great short-term. Yeah. I'm getting this job, but if you hate the work, you're never going to be good at it. Yeah. You might get the paycheck, but you're not going to excel. So, you know, try to find, that's why I like with the vision work that we do and, the IC because it really hones in who you are at your core and who you want to be. And then everything else can start aligning towards that. So, you know, if, if you are not in love with the field that you're in, find the job that gives you passion, you know, because yeah. some of the, like I've talked to some guys in the iron council, they're, there's like second or third generation, you know, business owners, and they're not a hundred percent in love with it. Like it was their dad's dream and their dra- dad's vision, not theirs. So they're doing it because it's family heritage and they feel they have the obligation. But, you know, someone would rather be a fitness coach because that's where their passion, and their love is. And I'm like, that's your passion and your love. That's where you're going to make the most money because you're going to be more successful because people can read that energy. You know, if you show up at a client to do a, a uh, an estimate and you're not 100 percent in love with your product, they're not going to buy from you. You know, I could tell immediately that you love RC cars and you love what you do because it's like kind of your passion. I mean, not kind of it is your passion, like. You, you get excited. I can see the excitement when you start talking about it, you know, just the wheels, just the cogs and the naming off the product. And just like, yeah, this is crazy. You know? <laughs> so you yeah. see a new invention and you're like, okay, what's next? Um, yeah. And that, yeah, that brings up my next question. So like, what is next for you now that you're like business is up and running and you got this, you know, strong uh, presence in the order of man is, you know, I, I know you're like always moving. So you, what's your next vision? Like, double the size of your company or like well, the, the company growth is going to keep on going. It's almost organic. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We have uh, end of last year, we hired a NASCAR marketing company that oh, is nice. going to really, you're going to see ML toys out there a lot more. Um, we're also doing a total revamp to our website should be launching in the next couple of weeks that really um, it, it's an innovative website that uh, will help people be able to find the products that they want because people don't know how to modify a car. So we really have right. to do all how to segment uh, first. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the business is going to keep on growing and I'm going to you know, still be involved with that always. But what part of what I've been doing in order of man is kind of feeling out what I want to do next. I'm 53 years old and mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm blessed to have a pretty financially free lifestyle right now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's that giving back, that that giving back nature that I have. I've been using Waterman to figure out I don't want to do one-on-one coaching because like you were talking about earlier, you tell somebody to do something, they don't do it. It frustrates the crap out of me. So that's not the path. Or they argue with you. (laughs) I'm just going to beat somebody in the head. Yeah. I love the group talking experiences. So mm-hmm. I've had the opportunity with the Iron Council to do it on Zoom, uh, to do it at the main event. Uh, there's another event they've got coming up. I'll be speaking to groups of men. 
So I, I really, I need to um, finish writing my book. Uh, I mm-hmm. have a, a fabulous book that I've been working on, which is kind of a life story. Uh, I, I had a very tragic youth that got me into the EMS and, you know, those years and then the business experience. So I want to combine that story with the, the lessons that I've learned along the way that, you know, all the, the men's motivational speakers talk about, but I want to combine it in with the story. So it makes it more relational to regular mm-hmm. people as I am too. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, my, my goal is to always make things actionable. I've never liked stoicism mm-hmm. so much. I like taking yeah. action. So I want anytime you you're in a talk with me, you go home with something to try that day. Yes. And so I want to go on bigger, like fortune 500 company leadership talks that they do. Jocko does a similar thing. Yeah. And, and get involved doing that. Uh, as I decide when I want to stop working so much, cause I really enjoy the business still. Uh, you know, yeah. That... Gonna get out like last year and sell mm-hmm. the business and be done. I'm like, no, I really enjoy this. And, and you know, all the low hanging fruit there are gone, but I really want to, uh, I want to pick the high hanging fruit at this point. You know, I want to reach for the stars. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel. So, um, the book that you're writing, are are you just writing your manuscript right now, like yourself, or do you already have it like the like an editor that's editing as you're writing, or is it just stage just one? Writing, I'm, I'm in paging, the outlining pages. Phase. Outlining, okay. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. That's kind of yeah. where I'm at because I've always wanted to write a book. I mean, I'll probably have to self-publish um, because it's really hard to get publishing deals these days, from what I've been told. I mean, because I've talked to different authors. Um, and reached out because I also want to write a book um, that's actionable because I feel like there's so much information out there that's just regurgitated yes. over and over and over again. But you know, um, yeah, everybody does because it's all, all good information. You know, I mean, it's it's fantastic and everybody puts their own little spin on it and you know translates it. But it's more about that getting out of our mindset of having to like mansplain everything to ourselves. And just doing the action. It's like, we know what we need to do. We just need to stop thinking and talking about it to ourselves or other people and just do it. That's what I liked about working with you and the Iron Council, especially. It's just like, you know, you've got that definitely take action mentality like I do. It's like, all right, let's just do it. Like, and then we'll figure it out along the way, you know, One try to get the plan the best you can. Of my, my bad upbringing was I, mm-hmm. I had no parenting at all. And mm. I've since learned fear is something that's taught. Yeah. Like people, by people telling you no, mm-hmm. I, I, I never learned fear. Like I'm, yeah. I'm afraid if you point a gun at my head, of course. Yeah. But in, in EMS and fire, <clears throat> I went and did the stupidly brave stuff because it needed to be done. Yeah. Nobody exactly. told me you should be afraid. And, mm-hmm. and then when that transferred into the business world where I've never let fear stop me from taking on a problem, I actually learned um, that, you know, and again, a lot of it is by reflection, that fear actually helps me a lot, that mm-hmm. fear is a warning sign. Um, and I, I, I'm a car guy, so I'm related yeah. to the, the yellow sign on the road that says falling rocks. Mm-hmm. The rock itself is not your fear. You know, yeah. getting punched in the face is not your fear. It's the fear of getting punched in the face. Yes. So that sign that says falling rocks is actually your fear. Yeah. When you recognize that, what you learn is that 
that fear is warning you that there's trouble up ahead. That's what your fears are really doing in your life. Mm -hmm. It's saying, you know, you're emotionally feeling something wrong could happen. So what do you do when you see that falling rock sign? Nobody stops and turns their car around ever. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Fear stop us in our real life so Mm -hmm. much when instead what you, what you do with your car is you look up, you look around, you take cautions and in your life, that's what you should do is look around and see what might happen. And if a rock does fall on the road, you change your course and go around it. You navigate through the problem. Yep. And that's what fear should do for you in your in life. Well said. And, and yeah. so I actually get excited. I'm I'm maybe I'm a freak here, but I get excited when I feel fear of a problem. Oh, me too. Especially in the business world. Because we saw it with COVID. It, when yes. all the restaurants were told to shut down, the restaurants that saw that fear and navigated mm-hmm. around it and started selling to hospitals, getting people to pay for the meals to donate to hospitals. And those mm-hmm. restaurants are still around. They pivoted around yep. the, the field. So there's so much opportunity in the business world and even in your personal relationships and all. Of yeah. That. And, and the businesses that do, we're doing the family meals. So you could just come pick up the whole thing and Correct. be done with it. You know, like have like family of four as opposed to making them order individuals and making it more a little more economically priced. So that way during the time people were like, Oh yeah, let me go there. I mean Yep, curbside I, pickups. I mean yeah. it was unheard of. I mean you you still had to go, but it wasn't like at the level it was during COVID. See, I normally I don't get fearful about situations like that because that's when opportunities like right yeah. after that crash of that's when the opportunities happen and oh, that's yeah. when you need to be able to pounce always like that's you know it's you never you never can you never do well when you try to pounce on something when it's at the height of the market it's like after that crash and there's like all this innovation and the weeding out of some of the 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 companies that didn't make it and then that's where you can really grow and strive i've had the same thing like i've i read a book a long time ago and i can't i'm trying to think i was trying to think of the name of it but basically the premise was is anytime that you have a fear pop up in your head just count down five four three two one and then just do it yeah. Like whatever it is, like stop, go five, four, three, two, one, and then just do it. Take the step, take the leap, do whatever it is. Cause you're going to realize that the fear wasn't real. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't, it's like driving your, your sign, your sign with the rock falling, you know, that's that the fear is you're going to hit by the rock, but the reality is that the chances are very, very slim. So yeah, be aware of it, but just don't let it control you and make it change your decision because you're scared to do something. So I normally like just do it. Like I tried to, in 2021, we, um, I woke up in the morning, they, um, they were unloading excavators onto our property. We were doing a massive expansion on our house, quarter million dollar uh, addition onto it. Uh, and I went downstairs and got on my computer and saw an email from our main supplier saying that they will no longer be selling to us because they're afraid of the liability risk. Mm-hmm. period no mm-hmm. negotiation we're shut down it's 60 percent of our material and they're the only one that makes it oh my god and here i am you know with this <laughs> all this money i'm just spe- <laughs> that's <laughs> butt puckering right there <laughs> like, um, like blurry vision i couldn't like my hands are like this i spent a couple hours like that and just pet like what am i gonna do here it's all over the dream is done <laughs> and, and my wife came down and I told her, you know, I told her what was going on. And she's like, relax. You'll get through this. You always solve problems. That's what you do is you solve problems. 
And yep. just like, I don't know if she really meant that or she was just encouraging me. <laughs> encouraging, yeah. yeah. You know, she, she's going, shit, I'm going to lose my house. You better do something. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it made me remember, well, you know what? I've been through so much harder things in life. Yeah, this is definitely yeah. going to be one I'll remember forever. That date mm-hmm. is actually my PIN number now. So if I never <laughs> want to forget. The crisis moment your date is your pen. So we'll just talk about your yeah. checking account number later. What's your pet's favorite name? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where did you go to high school? Just so you <laughs> Don't answer any of those. We you have a really cool a, nickname did... from back in the day? I'm just wondering. Yeah, <laughs> we we just did an name. episode on identity theft. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So, yeah. So, but yeah. by the end of the day, we pivoted the company and had a total plan on manufacturing the product ourselves. Cut yeah. them out altogether. Yeah. Cut them um, out. And then yeah. that was and even better for your kind of company to make now. a better quality product because of it. So it's, uh, yeah. And that's the, the fear. Don't let fear stop you. Some fears are a lot harder and take time to, to figure out, but don't let fear be the reason. Let the, the problem itself be the reason if it has to be. Yeah. My, my, uh, my moment like that was, um, cause we do a lot, we did a lot of printing, um, for direct mail. It was during COVID when we get the call from our paper supplier and they say, Hey, we don't have any more paper. Um, and I'm like, you don't have any, what do you mean? You don't have any more paper. Like it was such a foreign concept. I'm like, like, I understand that the toilet paper is flying off the shelves only because people are buying it faster than, they're doing it, but I wasn't thinking about the manufacturing process. And they're like, yeah, like the paper mills have been shut down because of COVID. So we have no paper. And I was like, holy shit. So luckily we had developed the digital side of our business to do digital marketing, digital advertising. Yeah. Brad was a big part of that. He's also my business partner on the marketing side. So we, uh, we've pivoted everything digital. We're just like, Hey, digital is the way to go because the post office is having issues with, you know, delivery drivers and we're having problems with paper and stuff like that. And I realized, all my competition was having the same problem. Like it was, was not a Mike Preston problem. This was a, a like a uh, problem through the whole industry. So I was like, okay, if everybody's having it, I just got to be the quickest to pivot. And luckily we did. So we like, yeah. you know, we were able to, we were able to keep going and stay alive and actually grow through COVID. Um, and we got a lot more streamlined. Like we learned to be more efficient on certain things because uh, I mean, we decided at that point we didn't need a centralized building we learned to be so efficient working from home during COVID that when we got back to the office, we were like, man, this kind of sucks having to drive 30, 40 minutes to get this office. <laughs> we and, totally did. You know, and, and trying to figure out what to eat, take for either bring lunch or eat lunch or, you know, or haul this stuff back and forth. All my employees were just sitting around going, man, I miss working from home. And I'm like, we don't have to be here. <laughs> and I'll joke it around aside here. You know, yeah, Mike and I, exactly we, would eat, we would eat lunch pretty much out every day. And yeah. we just kept seeing our waistlines grow. Uh-huh. So what we did, Alan, is we said, you know, man, working from home, we can eat, you know, smart here. And yeah. then maybe eat out once a week and just get together so we can have some camaraderie and hang out. I know you'd yeah. think we would have enough with the fact that we do a podcast, but you know, <laughs> and we talk all day long, but yeah. no, we still have to go grab a lunch every once in a while. Yeah, we still have to go do some guy stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah so, so this has been a great time. Um, Alan, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, everybody, if you get a chance to go check out MLToys.com, especially if you have kids, you need to get them a souped up power wheel or souped up uh, ride on. Uh, it, it just looks like so much fun. There's videos. We'll be posting it to our website and also on our socials when this episode airs. So that way they, you can click on it. You can just check out Alan's uh, awesome company and uh, those 
kick-ass products. I mean, they just they look like they're so much fun. Like I can only imagine how much fun they would be for I just, the kids to ride around on. I was just waiting for Mike to crack the joke. Hey, this is the perfect size vehicles for Brad. Because no, <laughs> he makes I, fun I of che- my height all the time. <laughs> I checked and they said they have a weight capacity of 100 pounds, so you far exceed it. I mean, you can strap one to each. You can strap one to each leg and ride them like you know, like like. Uh, Aquaman. He's, yeah, he's always dolphins. making the short jokes. I was waiting on it this whole time. I'm like, when's he going to take the low-hanging fruit? And he didn't do it this time, so I'm happy. No, no. So, I'm trying not to. I'm trying to go for the high fruit now. I'm just waiting for the good jokes whenever he, he sets me up for a good so, one. So, guys, don't forget, head over to mltoys.com. Uh, you can show, check out um, Alan's um, business. And also, he has a YouTube channel as well. He's got some great videos on there of you know customers, you know some, all sorts of things on there. So go check it out, seriously. Um, but anyway, Alan, thanks again for coming on to the show. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back at some point, yeah, too. Yeah, I'll come back yeah. to so many more things, especially on the, the mindset stuff that we can have fun talking about. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yep. Good time. Awesome. Mikey, awesome. before we get out of here, you got anything, man? Yeah, everybody have a great day. Just remember to stay positive and you know, keep reaching for those dreams. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening in, and we will see you next time on The Flip Side. Deuces.